Today, we are beginning a series that I am pretty excited about, uh, one that we'll be going through through the month of October, one that I've been working on now, I think for about three or four years uh, in my notes, and that is one on the Holy Spirit, and it's called The Ultimate Ghost Story. So as we start this, I'm wondering, how many of you know a really good ghost story? Raise your hands. Any of you? Maybe one that you've heard on TV or one that you heard around a campfire one time. Uh, for me, I, 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 you know, m- many kids had the privilege of you know, doing a lot of campouts and stuff when they were younger. For me, I didn't have a whole lot of that. I remember one campout in particular, though. And I remember us being around the campfire and hearing all these scary ghost stories one after another. And I was a young boy at the time and was pretty impressionable. And I remember, I, I actually don't even remember what the ghost story was. I just remember having the need to go to the bathroom and not being able to. Because I was too old to go off by myself, but I wasn't about to go in those woods by myself to go to the restroom. So I just, I don't remember the ghost story. I just remember the need to pee really bad at that time. That's my ghost story. Uh, I also remember uh, several years ago going to the movies with with my best friend to see this movie called Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Did any of you ever see that movie? It was actually about uh, Savannah back in the 1980s. It was based on some things that happened there. And I had already seen the movie, and my, my friend hadn't, and he, I, I just knew that he wasn't going to like all the this, this, this scary, spooky stuff very much. But I remember there was this one part in the movie in particular where this dead guy is on the ground, and his spirit somehow gets back into his body, and he starts to look at people. And I did in that moment what any good friend would do. I mean, I looked over at him. I, could saw, I saw his eyes were as big as saucers. So I just reached over, and I grabbed his knee as hard as I could and sent him flying up into the air in the middle of the theater. <laughs> Even to this day, that movie is totally off limits in co- for conversation with, with Dan. I, he just does not want to deal with that movie. But stories like that abounded in the South where I was growing up. I don't know if that's true for you wherever you grew up, but it's certainly true in the South. And what was odd to me, now that I think about it, was that the only kind of talk that I ever heard about spirits or ghosts going up, growing up were about the bad ones and, and the scary ones. You know, I was raised in faith. I was raised in the church, and I was taught very well about Jesus and who Jesus was. But I cannot remember a single time anyone in the church, pastor included, ever really talked about who the Holy Spirit was and the power of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. It was just something you didn't talk about. Fast forward to my teenage years. I remember a woman named Anna showing up at my little country church in Georgia. Anna very quickly got labeled by everyone in our church as charismatic. She was charismatic because, you know, know, the reason why is we would be worshiping God, we'd be singing, and she would actually raise not one but both hands when she was worshiping. She would close her eyes, and she even had this sway that she did. And everyone just thought, "She's, she's going a little bit too far. She's getting a little bit too emotional with this God thing. Just kind of stay away. And she would talk to me about the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit was. And I was like a sponge because I hadn't really heard about the Holy Spirit in my life all the, up until this point. And she would point the scriptures to me out about who the Holy Spirit was. And I remember, I remember my grandfather, that set off alarm bells in my granddad. My granddad walked with God throughout his life, close walk with God. But you started talking about the Holy Spirit and that was when his little antenna went up. And he was like, Dave, whatever Miss Anna's telling you about the Holy Spirit... Just, just don't, mis- don't necessarily believe it. And I'm like, why? I mean, she's pointing scripture out to me. It's like, this, this is all just crazy emotionalism stuff, this Holy Spirit stuff. Just avoid it at all costs. And I would point to scripture and say, well, Granddad, explain to me then why the Bible says this or that. And his answers 
never seem to really satisfy me. I don't know if any of you can relate to this at all. I mean, how many of you, how many of you were raised in faith? You were raised in the church, in a church where the Holy Spirit was not a taboo subject. Raise your hands. Any of you? A few of you. Um, where the power of the Holy Spirit was clearly understood and, and welcomed, and where a relationship with the Holy Spirit was normal and natural, right? I, I'm not surprised that so many of you haven't. I mean, this, that's not true in other parts of the world, like Africa and Latin America, but it's certainly true in the West. Talk and understanding about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, as some of the older English translations of the Bible put it, they're avoided. In so many churches today. But you know what? As I read the Bible, it becomes clear to me that the Holy Spirit is real. That the Holy Spirit is God. And that the Holy Spirit is one we're to depend on. One that we're to be in relationship with. It's our connection on this earth to God. The Holy Spirit isn't some spooky spirit or some force emanating from God. But it's God himself. So in this series, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to discuss what other churches would just as soon ignore because it's uncomfortable, and we're going to go there. We're going to seek to understand exactly what God wants us to know about himself from the pages of Scripture. And we're going to also seek to answer any questions that you have about the Holy Spirit. It, you know, Each week I remind you that you can look at your notes inside your program or also online at www.mygrace.church. There's a sermon notes tab there. This week, I'm putting, and I'll put this up throughout the series, there's a place at the very top of that sermon notes tab where you can ask me any questions that you have about the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to seek to try to incorporate and answer as many of those as I possibly can during our time together over the month of October. Because I want you, please hear me, I want you to come away from this month, not just with, although I want you to fully understand who the Holy Spirit is, I want you to be able to have an experience with the Holy Spirit. I want you to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, just as Scripture talks about. Through this series, we're going to be talking about how to have a relationship with Him that can allow us to live the Christian life to the fullest. And today, what we're going to see is that the Holy Spirit isn't scary or weird. The Holy Spirit is real, He's fully God, and He longs to know you. So turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. And and as you're turning there, can I ask you something? Whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian or you're a long-time Christian, would you be open to God through this series? Would you allow yourself to open your heart up to God and allow Him to share with you, to give you whatever experience He wants you to have of Himself? to reach out to him with an openness rather than being closed off so that you can see God for who he truly is, for who he really is. If that's true of you, I want to encourage you to to bow your head with me and let's just pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, we come to you today and we welcome you here into this place. God, I thank you for all the many people who have assembled here in this service and in the service we've just had for those who are coming to know more about you, to give you their best as they start their weeks. God, we come to you today and we ask that you would give us a hunger, a thirst for who you are. That we would have an experience 
with you that goes beyond head knowledge and it cuts right to the heart. Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. We ask that you would begin to work and move in our hearts and lives, making our hearts tender for more of you. God, we ask that you would remove anything right now that would distract us, that would cloud our thinking, that would keep us from hearing and understanding what you're going to reveal to us today about yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Acts chapter 19. If you would follow along with me. I'm going to just start right there in verse 1. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached a place named Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Now, I'm going to pause there for a moment. Paul was a man who was really passionate about helping people find a way to, to discover new life in Christ. And he was just a few days, he was a few days away from his home in Jerusalem. He was in this place on the western coast of Turkey, known as Ephesus. And what we're going to see here is that he finds some believers here, and he asked them a really interesting question. Look at verse 2. Paul says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked these men who he runs into, he knows they're believers. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And that's kind of an odd question. I mean, we, as, for those of you who have been walking with Christ for some time and you're a Christian, you've probably learned that when you accept Christ into your heart, you receive the Holy Spirit. As part of that surrendering to God, the Holy Spirit comes to actually live within you. But at this time, you know, as, as Christianity is just getting off the ground, there are people who are learning bits and pieces. They don't have a full scripture to go to, and they're kind of learning as they go. And so Paul runs into these men, and he asks them, have you, do you know who the Holy Spirit is? Have you heard of him? And they're like, well, what's the Holy Spirit? I've never heard of it. Now, the next question, if you kind of look down a little bit further, that Paul asked them, I think it's really interesting. He, his follow-up question was, well, what baptism did you receive when you became a believer? Now, there's a reason why he's asking them that. Because back then, when someone gave their heart, gave their life to God, they, they, would, they would go through a process of getting baptized to kind of set their life on a new trajectory. And Paul figured that if he knew who baptized them, he might have a better picture of what they understand spiritually, what they might have learned so far. Now, he, they say that John the Baptist baptized them. Now, John the Baptist, if you read the Gospels, he baptized a lot of people. He was, John the Baptist would go around and he would encourage people to get baptized as a sign of repentance. It was, John would say to them, you need to repent of your sins. You go down in the water and, you, and as you're repenting of your sins, you come out a new person. You're going to live a different life from what you used to live. And John the Baptist would also tell people, he said, this is kind of a sign to prepare your hearts for the one who is to come, the one who's far greater than I, the one who is so great, I, I'm not even fit to tie the guy's shoes. This guy who's coming won't just baptize you with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so what we see in Matthew chapter 13 is John the Baptist even baptizes Jesus. And in that moment, when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he knows he's the one. He's the one that's going to send the world on a different trajectory. He's the one who's going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus comes to John and says, will you baptize me? And John was like, not me. He's like, I don't, I'm not even fit to tie your shoes, let alone baptize you. But Jesus encourages him to do so. 
And what I want to share with you here is when John the Baptist was baptizing people, he wasn't making them Christians. He was making their hearts tender to God, but they weren't praying a prayer to receive Jesus in that moment. Does that make sense? So they didn't have an understanding of who the Holy Spirit was when they were getting baptized by John. Now, this is a very, very short story here in, Luke, in Acts 19. We don't have the whole picture of what was happening here. But what we do know, what we see here, is that Paul introduces them to Jesus. They accept Jesus into their life, and he baptizes them as Christians. And then something interesting happens, something that you might not expect, you might not see coming. Paul lays his hands on these men after they've accepted Jesus. And it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in other tongues or other languages. The language that they didn't even know, that they didn't even understand in this moment. I mean, a few minutes earlier, they didn't even know what a Holy Spirit was. And now... God, the Holy Spirit is just moving in them in a supernatural way. I mean, you just know something special is happening this moment. Something supernatural is happening that's all of God that we don't necessarily understand or that they didn't necessarily understand. But no doubt it caused them, and I think sometimes for us, it causes us to even ask ourselves the question, well, who is the Holy Spirit, really? Take a look at this. Who is the Holy Spirit? I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. Spirit of Santa. That's a tough one. Um, uh, it's... Uh... God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. They're all like a trinity. Angels? I don't know. It's, it's God. I think the Holy Spirit is different for everyone. Wouldn't that be your conscience? Huh, I have no, I don't really have a, a lot of, I don't know, I don't know who the Holy Spirit is, I mean, I don't know. Third person of the Trinity? Um, the Holy Spirit? I've never even really put much thought into that. Technology has brought us, there's nothing quite like the natural world. It's awe-inspiring, it's breathtaking, it's life-giving. When I was growing up, I didn't hear much about the Holy Spirit. The only time the Holy Spirit was mentioned was in school assembly prayers, which always finished with the same words, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit seemed like an afterthought, at best a kind of vague supernatural force, and at worst something strange or even a bit freaky. But in the Bible, the Holy Spirit isn't a vague force, but a person that you can know. He isn't an optional extra either. He's front and central. And he wasn't a recent invention. He was there from the very beginning. And everything, all of this, was made through him. So, who is the Holy Spirit? That's the question. Well, number one, the Holy Spirit is God. 
He isn't a creation of God. He's not a, just a ghost or, or a concept. He isn't a force or a thing. He's not an it, as I've heard at times either. But he's eternal. And he is fully God. From the very beginning lines of the Bible, we see that the Holy Spirit was present. It, it, there's this beautiful imagery in the very second verse of the Bible, in the first page, where it talks about how the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, even before time of creation. In Psalm 139, it says that the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And in 1 Corinthians 2, that he sa- it says that the Holy Spirit is all-knowing. There are other places in the Bible that says the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. In fact, in Romans 8, it says that the Holy Spirit's power was what was necessary to raise Jesus from the dead. It was the Holy Spirit that literally raised Jesus from the dead. And Romans 8 says that same power from the Holy Spirit is what actually gives life to your physical body. That's what Romans 8 says. Without the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't even exist. The Bible describes God as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there have been Christians for centuries trying to get their heads around that one, trying to understand fully what that means. There have been people who have tried to explain the, the Trinity with all these different kinds of analogies to make, try to help it make more sense. Maybe one example has been water, like or, or H2O. H2O can exist as water, ice, and steam, right? Or an egg where... An egg is made up of a shell, a yolk, and a white, but yet it's still an egg. But these examples don't even fully work when describing the Trinity because they can't be identical and separate at the same time, which God is. So then there have been others like St. Augustine who tried to use examples to help get a little bit closer. And he described one of the examples he gave was the human mind because the human mind has memory, has understanding, and it has will Yet they, it, they, it remains unified. But even that doesn't fully get a handle for us on who the Trinity is. There was this one time when Jesus described the Holy Spirit like a wind. He said the, it, he's like a wind who blows wherever he pleases. And you never know where he's been or where he's going. But you can feel his presence. There are other places in the Bible that use this imagery as well of the Holy Spirit. That he's like a wind or a fire. But as we're going to see next week, which is really important, the Holy Spirit is more than just some nice breeze or some force emanating from God. The Holy Spirit is God. He is a person who longs to know you, every aspect of you, and be in relationship with you. Jesus actually told people when they were kind of freaking out by the fact that he was going to leave. Jesus said, you know what? It's so good. It's far better that I get out of here and I get out of the way so that the Holy Spirit can come. You will no longer be limited to having God in a human body and having to reach out to him. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will live inside of you. He will be with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No matter where you are or where you go, he'll be there for you. As we're in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we find out that he is a friend, that he's a guide, that he is a counselor, always there to to support and to defend and to teach and help you in times of trouble. We see that the Holy Spirit is an advocate to see you through the challenges of life, one who helps you fully experience what the Christian life can be, what it's meant to be, uh, a fully yielded, fully surrendered life. 
A life that every day can look more and more like Jesus. You know, this, just a minute ago, I showed you a brief, brief clip of uh, some of the things that we show in our Alpha course. I'd strongly encourage you. If you've never been through Alpha, you need to go through Alpha. Not only do you learn more about who Jesus is, you learn more about who the Holy Spirit is. Let me share with you just one other small clip uh, that it, you would find in the Alpha course. Take a look at this. Jesus says that to experience the Spirit is like to be born again. It's a new, a new birth. Uh, in the sense that everything becomes alive. Uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't change anything, and He changes everything. It, do, it doesn't add anything to what Jesus has already said and instituted, but He makes all Jesus has, has said and done alive today. But this is what the Holy Spirit is meant to be. Uh, the one who accomplishes, who realizes, who reenacted the work of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a relationship, a person, a person. It's a personal love between God the Father and the, the Son. And if human love can change the life of two people, imagine what does the Holy Spirit with love in person. When he comes upon a person and when he, he is accepted, welcomed, uh, there can be a, 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 a more <clears throat> rewarding experience than to experience the Holy Spirit. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. He's there to walk with you for the rest of your life. He doesn't leave you. But to the extent, hear me, to the extent that you yield, that you surrender to Him, to the extent that you open up your heart to Him, to the extent that you pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, things start happening in your life. You start more and more to look different than the average person. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, He doesn't force His way into your life. But when you welcome Him in, He has this ability to not only fill you with love, but to help you to, to experience God in ways that you can never, never otherwise experience him you have this heart for God and the power of God working in and through your life in our story today in Acts 19 these men weren't just receiving Christ intellectually that day they fully surrendered they opened themselves up to receive the Holy Spirit and the unexpected happened do you want to have an experience like that in your life today do you really? Do you want to have the power of God working in and through your life every single moment of every day? You see, it's not about knowing more facts about the Holy Spirit. These guys in Acts 19, they didn't know who the Holy Spirit was five minutes before. But they were hungry for God. And they fully surrendered to God in that moment. And that's when God saw a yielded vessel, someone he could work through. Let me ask you this morning. When's the last time you undeniably saw the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through you? If you're not yet a follower of Christ, if you've never opened your heart up to God like that, then you might say never. And let me just say you this morning, that's okay. I'm just so thrilled that you're here this morning and that you're experiencing this with us. I hope that over the next few weeks that you'll experience this with us, that you'll help you, you, we'll go to the Bible together and learn who the Holy Spirit is. And hopefully through this experience, your hunger for God might start to grow 
and to take on a new life of its own. Maybe, though, you're here today and you've been a follower of Christ for some time. Maybe you have heard for years that there is this Holy Spirit. There's this this aspect of God that you don't fully understand. And he steps into people's lives sometimes in incredible and unmistakable ways. And maybe you've experienced that even in your own life at some point years ago. Maybe, Maybe when you first accepted Christ into your own life... Something happened in you, and you know it just wasn't an emotional high. You sensed something. You you felt something. You knew that God was in the midst of that. And that spark that you have felt, maybe for some of you today, you'd say, Dave, that spark's gone. I I don't know where it went. I I don't know what happened, but I I, I want it back. We're going to get that back this month. For you. The Holy Spirit is real. He is God. And He wants more than anything else to have a personal relationship, a vibrant relationship with you. This morning, I wonder what is it that gets in the way for you of a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Is it your lifestyle? Is it your calendar? Is it your priorities? Your, your divided heart, maybe? I, I, I know there's been times in my life when I would say the very same things myself. Most of us have no idea how strong of a pull the world really has on our lives. How much it affects us. How much it controls us. How much it blocks us or keeps us from having this close, intimate relationship with God. But even still, regardless of what this world throws at us, you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that is so much greater than anything this world has to offer. So many Christians today, they don't know how to draw upon the power of the Holy Spirit or even know that they can. As a result, many live in spiritual poverty only experiencing a minimal involvement of the Holy Spirit in their lives when they have access to so much more. They just never take advantage of it. I'll close with this. Back in the early 1900s, there was a poor man from Eastern Europe who decided to come to the United States to make a new life for himself. He saved up his money for years to try to get to America. And he finally saved up enough money to buy a third-class ticket on a steamship bound for New York City. He spent almost all of his money on that ticket. In fact, he only had a little bit of money left that he realized, I'm going to have to save this until I get there to live off of until I can get my first job and get on my feet. And so to survive this 12-day voyage, he brought food with him. He brought a wheel of hard cheese and a box of crackers. Sometimes... At mealtimes, he would walk along the deck of the ship and he'd go along by the, the cafeteria and he'd watch people eating these, this incredible, amazing food and he'd press his, his face up against the window and watch them for just a moment until he was seen and then he'd back away. And then he'd go into his little room and he'd cut off his daily ration of hard cheese and eat a few crackers. By the end of the trip, his cheese was molding And his crackers were stale. And he was so hungry. But on that last day, he saw the Statue of Liberty as he was leaning out on the edge of the boat. 
He saw the Statue of Liberty. And at that point, a steward comes along and starts to strike up a conversation with the man. And he, he comes to the man and he says, you know what, I don't mean to pry, sir, but I noticed that you haven't been with us in any of your meals with your fellow passengers in the dining hall. I wonder, did we do something to offend you? And the man said, oh, goodness, no. He says, you guys have been more than gracious. I've just had to save my money. I've had to be very, very careful and very, very cautious because I need that money for when I get to America. And the steward looked at the man and he said, you didn't know that you had three meals a day included in the price of the ticket? We came, we, we set a place for you at every meal and you never came. This story is told in the book, The God I Never Knew, how to have a real relationship with the Holy Spirit that can change your life. I actually picked up, this, this is one of the books I read preparing for this series, and I actually, I devoured it. I actually read it in one sitting. I just started reading and I couldn't stop. I actually bought a few case, couple of cases of these and they're available at the Guest Services Center. If you'd like something additional to read in addition to the scriptures as we go through this series, I encourage you to pick up a copy of this today as you take off. Um, we'll just ask for you to reimburse us for the cost that we had for the book. It's only like 10 bucks. And if you're new to Grace today, by the way, let me just say, stop by Guest Services on your way out. Let me just give you one. It's our gift for you being here today. But this, the reason I'm sharing this story with you this morning is this. Every day, I believe... There are Christians all over the world who live like this poor man. Who live lives of cheese and crackers Christianity. Muddling through the world powerless. Deprived of the richness of the, God's power and his presence. Consoling themselves to know that one day, one day down the road, one day when I'm in heaven, then I'll experience the fullness of God. But, but certainly I can't before then. God's spirit is not scary, and he's not weird, despite what you might have heard in some church somewhere a long time ago. He is fully real, he is fully God, and he wants a relationship with you. Uh, not just a, a passing, informal relationship, he wants a close and intimate relationship with you. He wants you to know him. I encourage you, don't miss a single week of this series. I believe this series is going to bless you and it's going to open up your relationship with God in ways perhaps you've never experienced before. You know, as I wrap up this morning, I just want to share with you something that I would encourage you to do here in the next few days as we start this series. Uh, a few days ago, I found a prayer that was written by a guy by the name of John Stott. John Stott was an Anglican pastor and theologian, brilliant guy, wrote a lot of stuff um, about the Holy Spirit, and um, he wrote a prayer that he used every single morning of his life for years. Before he, his, as his feet would touch the floor every morning, he would fall on his knees and he would grab this prayer that he wrote and he would pray it every single morning. And it was a prayer that was welcoming the Holy Spirit into his life. This morning, as we spend some time in worship at the end of our service. We're going to, I want to encourage you to take communion if you would like. And in the back on the communion tables, there's that prayer that John Stott wrote. I want to encourage you to take a copy if you want it. Maybe stick it by your nightstand. Stick it by your alarm clock so when you go to slap it, you'll hit that instead. And remind you to take that prayer and fall to your knees and pray that God would fill your life that day.
Pray that the Holy Spirit would come and fill every space and that he would fill you that day. Maybe you'd want to use his prayer. Maybe you just want to pray a prayer of your own. But what would it look like for you as you're, if you have a hunger for God and you want to have a deeper relationship with God to make that space at the beginning of every morning for the Holy Spirit? Would you pray with me? Lord, I am looking forward to this month together with my Grace family. I'm looking forward to experiencing this with them. And, and Lord, I, I know that over these last several months, you've just been really stirring in my heart, putting things in my heart that I've been sticking away for this series. Lord, I know that you have, I know that you're here, that you're present with us, and more than anything else, you want to be involved in every aspect of our lives, to have a relationship with us. Lord, I pray for those who are in this room who don't have a relationship at all with you yet, who've never experienced you, who've never surrendered their lives to you, God. God, I ask that you would make their hearts tender and open to knowing you for who you truly are, not as some judgmental, distant God with a bunch of propositions and laws and decrees that we're supposed to follow, but a person who loves us deeply and wants relationship. Lord, I pray that we will come to know you for who you truly are. And God, I ask that you would fill us, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would begin to transform us, God, and make us into the the men and women of God that you've called us to be. God, many of us right now who are in this room and are listening online, we're, we're hungry. We're hungry for more than what this world has been able to give us. God, we, we love this world, we, the creation that you've made here, but it just doesn't satisfy. Lord, we want you to fill those deepest needs within us. So we come to you hungry and thirsty for more of you. And we ask that you meet us where we are. In Jesus' name.